This is Keep It 100, a podcast from Spotswood Creative that is designed to keep it real and honest about worship practices in the 21st century. We want to help you work through those issues like choosing worship songs, leading as a volunteer, worship stereotypes, worship conflicts, and figuring out if the theology is right in the song you just love or if you should just put it away. Hello, hello, hello. How are we doing, Josh? Doing good. It's been a great week at VBS this week. Yep. Having a good old time. So um, last episode, uh, we introduced Worship War 2. I think it's important uh, to recognize that worship wars are something that have always, always really happened. I mean, it's probably not fair to call the traditional versus contemporary worship war, Worship War 1. I think it's Worship War 1 that our generations understand and have experienced. Right. Um, so I, I, it's probably also not fair that established worship versus uh, emerging worship. It's probably not fair that both of those are or that this worship war is called worship war two. But you know, it's it's the second one we're touching it's on. It's the second one we're touching on. It's the second second one that we all can relate to. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, today we're going to talk about the good, bad, and ugly of established church and established church worship. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, like I've said in Worship War One, hear us out through the entire episode. Bailey and I try to be as um, as gentle as we know how to be yeah. when handling these things. Because we, we, you know, we're, we talk about some, some things that we may say that we think are good or some things that other people may not think are good. Yeah. Um, there's some things that we may think are bad or ugly that other people are like, well, those aren't bad or ugly. Why would you say that? All of this is, is somewhat opinion-based. Um, but, uh, the way we have, we have developed our opinions is we, we base our opinions off of scripture. Yeah. That's not to say that other people that differ from us have not based theirs off of scripture. We're, we're basing our opinions off of, um, how we understand scripture. With that being said, uh, let's, Bailey, let's dive into what's good. Uh, give me one good thing about, uh, the established church and established church worship. Just give me one thing. Um, I think that, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is the question of, okay, well, is tradition a good thing? Like I think back to like my family and we have all of these traditions that we have. Um, Christmas time, we all go over to my grandparents' house and all the cousins and the aunts and the uncles, we all do Christmas Eve together. That's a tradition that we've always had and we still do it to this day. And, um, every year, 4th of July week, the same people aunts, uncles, cousins, we all go to the beach together. It's like those two times a year are the times that we gather. And, um, you know, sometimes that doesn't mean it's not a pain to plan (laughs) because you have 30 people getting together, but we're always happy that we did it. Um, so I think to those things and it's like tradition can be a really, really good thing. And a lot of the established church is based out of tradition. Um, we've always done that, right? Our faith is literally tradition. Right. Um, like God built it through his word and there's a lot to say about that. So, um, with the established church, we're looking at all these traditions and though it's important, we don't let them overtake what the point of the church is. Absolutely. Um, they can still be really good things. Well, I think about the Passover meal mm. and, and how Jesus took that tradition cause it is, it was a tradition, mm-hmm. you know, um, he, he took that tradition and then he, he, he created a new purpose for it and created this uh, this Lord's Supper, if you will. 
Um, and so the Passover meal wasn't the only meal that people celebrated. There were other things like, uh, I believe there's the Feast of Tabernacles and, and everybody mm-hmm. would, would eat. And, and it was a tradition that the, that the Israelites had that they, every year they looked to these things that, and, and they were, they were mountaintops, if you will, for, for the Israelite people. And, and for the Lord, for us, the Lord's Supper is one of those things. That is a tradition that we keep and we observe because we believe that it reminds us about what Jesus did on the cross for us. Those are very important traditions that we should never yeah. get rid of. Yeah. Um, I think um, there is something to expect in worship because the church has always been there and it has its established ways. I think there's something comfortable about that, just kind of going with the traditional theme again. Mm-hmm. There's something comfortable and I don't think comfortable is always bad. For a while, the church kind of went down this road of, you know, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone, as if always being in, or, you know, if any point in time you're ever comfortable being in the presence of the Lord, that you've done something wrong. Well, right. not that's not necessarily true. If you spend time with the Lord regularly, you're going to be comfortable in His presence. Right. I would say one good thing that the, that the established church has brought to the table, a comfort, a familiarity, if you will, that maybe the emerging church doesn't bring to the table all the time. Um, Emerging church can bring a different kind of familiarity, but like there's a very, very clear culture that has been around for at least our our evangelical Southern Baptist kind of church Mm -hmm. has been around for several, several decades and maybe some churches even centuries and had the same familiarity. Right. So that's a, to me, that's a beautiful thing because you can leave and come back and you know what to expect. Right. Right. And that's not always a bad thing. No. Well, and something that kind of comes along with the familiarity of things is in the established church, there is pretty consistent leadership as you, as you kind of move through the years, like Spotswood's a great example. Yeah. I mean, what we have three pastors that have been here over 15 years. Yep. Pastor um, Drew, Pastor Dan's I mean Pastor Dan's been here almost sorry Dan. I don't mean this. Right? Yeah, he's been here as long as almost as long as I've been alive. He's you know. Be mad that we <laughs> And da- and David's the same Pastor David's yeah. the same way. And these guys have cre- like they're pillars of of at least this this faith community. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and they're consistent. And they've built trust. Yeah, like people know that they that they they know what their intentions are. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, not to, I know this isn't the emerging church episode, but sometimes you get these new young leaders that start these emerging churches mm-hmm. and you don't really know their angle. Right. And, you know, they may say this, but they actually mean this, but there's no, there's been no test of time. Yeah. And, and in regard to worship, the same thing is true. You know, with Pastor Drew... I, I know what he expects with worship. Yeah. It's it's probably not going to change week to week. Mm-hmm. Where in the emerging church, you know, it's very common for a worship service to look one way one week and then two weeks later, completely different platform, yeah. completely different uh, musicians, completely different music. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes week to week, they don't even do the same music. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that's not a bad thing all the time. But with the established church, that's kind of the beauty of it is people have the opportunity and time because of the leadership, to develop and learn. Yeah. Where I think that sometimes is lacking in the emerging church. Well, and it's interesting to think, too, about consistent leadership. I think of my home church, um, which is Riverside Baptist back in South Carolina. Out of all of our the three pastors on staff, um, 
I don't know if my dad has been there the longest or we have an online campus and our pastor for that, he was the youth pastor and then he became one of our lead pastors and then he became our online campus pastor. So either way, they, they both got there not, you know, not too far from each other. But at that time, Riverside had been there. I mean, that was my grandma's church. Like she was one of like the first members there and right. um, she would be think like a hundred years old at this point so um this is your dad's mom no my mom's mom okay um and so even at that point it was an established church but our pastors there they hadn't been there since the church was established um and so it took trust from the congregation and those people like my grandma and you know the people that are there even now that were there from the start of the church it took them trusting Mm these new leaders coming in and you know giving them a chance to take on this established church and continue the good traditions um so it consistent leadership can come from all areas but I think that um the good things about established church if you're trusting of your leadership to continue on the good traditions it it still keeps its identity sure um so I just think, I mean, that's that's always very interesting to me is when you have kind of like a brand new pastor come in, could be young, um, and, you know, join this established church. But shout out Riverside. I know we have some members that are listening right now. Whoop, whoop, <laughs> Riverside. Um, okay, so let's, let's kind of dive down into some things that may be bad, some things that may be ugly about the established church. And, um, you know, just to reiterate, we're the, this is how we understand it um, and— some things that we think maybe the established church needs to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing um, I'll address is repetitiveness for repetitive repetitiveness <laughs> is sake. If that's Say a, that five times fast. Yeah, exactly. We're just repeating things just to repeat them. Um, and and some of you may go to the place. Well, we don't. You know, established churches typically don't do the quote unquote Seven Eleven songs or whatever, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. You know, but uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about well, that's just the way we've always done it. Mm. <laughs> that's that's the way we've always done it. You know, if you are if if you're going hiking, okay, and you decide I'm gonna wear every time I go out and walk, I wear flip flops. No matter what I'm doing, I'm gonna wear flip flops. Mm. Well, we're going hiking today. You can wear your flip flops, but you're gonna stub your toe. But uh, this is what I wear. Mm-hmm. This this is what I wear, and you're not going to change it. And if it, then maybe we should just change where we're going. Mm. Maybe we shouldn't go hiking. Mm. Well, yeah, but what if there's a million dollars waiting at the end of the trail for you? You know that kind of mm-hmm. like you start asking all these questions. It's like, well, I bet I wear flip flops. Yes, this I've is what I've this always way. won. I've yeah. I've worn flip flops. Okay, well, we're going to a wedding today. We're going <laughs> to a wedding. Um, on the invitation it says, um, on the invitation it says, you know, formal attire requested. Well, you know what? I'm I'm just a flip flop wearing person. I'm I'm sorry. I I have to wear flip flops. And if they don't like flip flops, well, maybe they're just not good enough for me. Mm. the The repetitive thing I'm talking about is is just doing things just to do them, not yeah. because there's an actual purpose or there's an actual reason for it. Um, you know, we we don't want to as a church. To get trapped by that. Yeah. Well, something goes hand in hand, um, and this could be another quote-unquote bad, is this the resistance to change because you want to do something just to do it. 
Yeah. As many of you already know, I come from a theater background. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what my training's in. That's what my degree's in. I've done it since I was young. And something about theater, if you don't know much about, like, the ins and outs of it, they can change something the day before you open. Yep. They can change something after you've already opened. Mm -hmm. And they expect you to go out there and do it perfectly when they change it and not to miss a beat. Um, and you know, something can change from rehearsal to rehearsal. Um, and it can, it can get stressful for sure, but that definitely put me in the mindset to not be resistant to change Sure. because change can be really good. And when you see something, uh, like when the director is watching your show and watching you perform it, they're viewing it through the lens of, okay, what is going to be best to achieve the goal, which is communicating the story to the audience. Sure. That's the goal. Um, and so they could watch a show and say, man, like this thing that we have done for the past five rehearsals just isn't landing. We need to change it. Yep. I might love what we did, but the director is watching it and they're saying they're not going to get it. It's kind of the same thing just in life in general. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things just have to change and we don't understand why until you hear from the perspective of the person on the other end of it. Absolutely. Um, and that's really hard. Especially when I have this exact dance move in my body, please do not change it because I remember this dance. And it's like, well, it just, we're tired of repeating it that way. Let's change it up. Let's make it more interesting. Let's achieve the goal better. And that's the same thing. Um, and I think that that can be not a great thing in the established church um, is the resistance. And people may not quite be used to... Um, maybe the ability to change or like they may just not have the willingness. Well, I, th I think it's that. I think we have sensationalized being sensationalized. Mm. And what I mean by that is we have, when we hear a change is coming, like for, for instance, in this, in this situation, an established church situation, when we hear change is coming, we immediately go to the extreme of what mm. that looks like. Yeah. Be flexible. Pastor Drew talks about being fluid. Mm. You know, sometimes things are going to change, and, and change isn't bad or good. It's just change. It's not It's not different. It's not bad or good. It's just different. Yeah. So um, being resistant to it is where you start bringing up divisiveness in your church, and we yeah. don't want that. Yeah. Want that. So ugly. Let's dive into some ugly. Um, the first uh, ugly we have is there's a willingness to allow the church to suffer uh, for man-made traditions. Mm. Like as long, like it, you know what? If we if we if we lose an entire generation of people because we they don't understand and they can't communicate on the same plane as this generation mm -hmm. of people, then you know what? That's just okay to lose them. And and listen, that's not just older generation to younger generation. That's younger generation to older yeah. generation too. Uh, in a church like ours, where we have on Sunday morning and worship people that are eight years old to eighty five years old and maybe older yeah. or younger, um. We we all have to rally around each other, yeah. In our different seasons of life, yeah. We shouldn't shut down. You know, we shouldn't shut down anything just for one specific generation. Maybe we should just all put down our preferences, yeah, and just preach the gospel and worship together, no matter what. Kind of like we talked about it in in World War uh, in World War Worship <laughs> War One. Yeah, I mean, we're all on the same team. Right. Like, I think that that's something that I've really tried to focus on since I've been at Spotswood um, because, I mean, I'm having to focus on it in a different way than I've ever had to before. Um, 
and it's just understanding like our church is not the only part of the church like right um and above all else we are a part of the church like we are supposed to strive for unity um and i think just like going back is going back to what you said about like we allow the church to suffer well that's not just our church that's the church like we are causing the big c church to suffer when we're just wanting to uphold the traditions that we came up with yes um and that's that's a really hard thing to recognize too well and and i think it's important to remember you know the the tradition really and truly the traditions that we have as a church are not the traditions of of like the early church or even the the hebrew people before jesus died on the cross Mm -hmm. like I mean, if we want our if we want our services, our worship services to look like the early church, well, then let's all set a table and let's all gather around it and let's eat together and maybe sing one song or two, and it's about a minute and a half. It'll we'll pray be together, like a chant. Yeah, and we'll <laughs> pray together and leave. Church, yeah. It's not in a big auditorium. It's not. It's not any of that yeah. stuff. So, you know, if we're if we're going to talk about tradition, that's what we should be doing. Yeah. If we're going to talk, well, hey, yeah, but that's not what I grew up with. Well, yeah, but that's not what those people before them grew up with yeah. either. You know, so we we've got to be careful not to let this let the church itself suffer because we just have to have it this way. Yeah. That's consumerism. Yeah, yeah. Well, and kind of in the same sense of allowing the church to suffer, um, and even in the man-made traditions. I mean, sometimes it causes you know an established church to be, as Josh says, driven by the squeakiest wheel and not by the Holy Spirit. Right. Um. And I think that's so true. Um, and my, I mean, my home church is, though it's an established church, I would definitely still consider it um, different than Spotswood in some ways. But something that I've learned with both is like, um, what do you call it? The Well-Intentioned Dragons? Yeah, yeah. There's a book called Well-Intentioned Dragons yeah. out there. Shout out Jason Hodges, who I do think listens to this podcast. He's the one that gave me that book. Let's go, Jason. Jason. Um, but every church has them. Every church has a well-intentioned dragon, and that by that we mean somebody who comes comes and has a recommendation, and instead of doing good, they're really just hurting your feelings. <laughs> yeah, they're, they mean well, but but they have no idea that what they're saying and doing is just wrecking the person that they're yes. they're talking to. And a lot of the times, the thing that they're talking about and want to fix is the squeaky wheel for them, right. and they're trying to fix it. But a lot of the times what they're recommending to us, their recommendation is a squeaky wheel for us, Yes, and then we're distracted. So it's just like never like a good outcome, really. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that's hard. That's definitely a trend. Can I, can I give you an example? Let me, let me give you an example of what we're talking about. To. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> to give you an example. So uh, Tuesday night at band rehearsal, uh, we were working. I'm not going to give away the worship set because I'm sure Bailey's going to release something on Instagram with the worship set at some point if she hadn't done it already. But, um, if, yeah, maybe if I have time. Pray uh, I have time. Right, pray we have time. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the one, something happened at, at rehearsal with one of the songs, and my wife and I earlier in the week had been listening to this new group called Here Be Dra- or Here, how about I say Here Be Dragons? That's not it. Here Be Lions. Here Be Lions. Yeah, I was Here like, Be Lions. It is Here Be. Yeah, Here Be Lions. Bad, um, and they did this song that was a, a definite throwback. And all week... That song has just been stuck in my head, and um, and I've been, you know, Hannah had mentioned, man, this would be a great tag to a song one day, mm. just to tag it on 
Yeah. And um, all week it had been in my head, and the song that we were that we were singing at the time, it was in a good key to do this song, and it just popped in my head while we were rehearsing. And, you know, at first I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I was like, but what's the Holy Spirit telling you to do? Mm. Do it. So let me tell you how this relates. Bailey is the one that pretty much puts our contemporary services together. I Unless look you over, don't like them, then it's Josh. That yeah, then it. it's me. You can come <laughs> after me. Um, but she puts the services together, and I, I approve them. And, and you know, she's, she's the one that runs with that service. I run more with the traditional service. Um, but we both lead in both. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how we tag team, go team, go. Um, she had every man-made human right to complain about that moment and say, well, that's not what we planned. That's not what we talked about doing. Why'd you do that? She had every right to do that. But she allowed the moment to play out to see where it'd go. And, and I think we all agreed this, this could be kind of neat for our church if we do this this Mm -hmm. way. It could be kind of neat. So we're, you know, we, we're thinking about it. We're thinking about, are we going to do this? Or are we not going to do this? But the thing, the reason I'm giving props to Bailey is she allowed the Holy Spirit to do his thing. Mm-hmm. And she didn't say, mm, no, we're not, we're not even going to talk about that. Please, please, can we not do that? Can we not do that? She could have done that because she created the service. She built it. She could have said, mm, nope, but she didn't. So that when we talk about the squeakiest wheel, Bailey could have chosen to be a squeaky wheel in that moment and would have been justified in doing so because I, I through what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do, followed the Holy Spirit's guidance. But she had followed the Holy Spirit's guidance in building the service. But she chose to let the Holy Spirit continue to work. I, I think what I'm trying to say is before we become squeaky wheels, let's sincerely ask, what is the Holy Spirit doing right now? Yeah. What if, what if my suggestion, which is welcome, Spotswood Creative at Spotswood.org, email it to me. We'll talk about <laughs> it in staff meeting. What if my suggestion or my preference isn't how the Holy Spirit's moving right now? Mm-hmm. Am I the Holy Spirit or is he the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Am I the driving force behind how worship happens or is the Holy Spirit the driving force? The biblical answer is the Holy Spirit is the driving force behind what happens in our worship service and then jesus takes it and fixes it makes Mm -hmm. it perfect and hands it to the father and he receives it Mm -hmm. we have all agreed that's how it works so when we start putting these other things in there and these squeaky wheels start getting squeakier and squeakier and squeakier we're making it more about us and less about him yeah and that really falls under the uh the label of idolatry yeah which is scary yeah it's really scary and listen, church, I'm talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to yeah. you. Yeah. Trust me. Um, everybody struggles with idolatry. Everybody struggles with pride. Yep. Everybody. If they if they say they don't, then they definitely yeah, do. Yeah, they definitely do. Okay. Um, so, uh, Bailey, what is your biggest struggle with the established church and established church worship styles? May I preface with, please don't come for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Um, because I am the youngin. So, you are the youngin. So, um, and grace is given. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna try to say this in a very like gracious way too. Um, and we kind of already talked about them. I 
like I was talking about, like my background, um, I try to like work well, at least in a setting um, that's kind of like go team go, work well with change. I might not work well with change in my own personal life. I kind of tend to <laughs> tend to struggle with that. But as far as like, um, like at the rehearsal the other night, you know, I when Josh was like, hey, let's do this. I was just kind of like, all right, let's like go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because like, I love stuff like that. Like I thrive, maybe pressure isn't the right word, but it's kind of like, um, you I thrive under pressure. I, I, yeah. I, I kind of enjoy like the intensity of like, all right, let's switch it up. Like let's do something new. Um, so sometimes <laughs> what I, what I've learned, especially in the past six months is when people saying, well, I mean, we've just always done it that way. And that's kind of the only reason that yeah. people have like because Josh myself and our director of worship tech Tyler we have all just gotten to Spotswood Josh has been here almost a year I've been here almost six months and Tyler will have been here almost like four months I think three months two, two and a half okay yeah. yeah so we're all like new and we are not from Fredericksburg right so the three of us have kind of like come in and that comes with a lot of questions like, okay, so why, why are you doing it this way? And a lot of the times the response is, well, that's just how we've always done it. And we're like, okay, well, that might not be the best way to do it. Um, and it doesn't mean that we always have the answer and it could be the best way to do it sometimes, but. And it has been a couple times. Um, but because we have come in from like the outside perspective, we are going to have questions and sometimes it can be a little frustrating when the only answer anyone has is like, well, I don't really know, but like we've done it like this for 25 years. Right. And it's like, okay. Well, what if we tried it? This yes. Way? What if we tried it this way? Or can you please explain to me why it's always been this way? Yep. I think that's the other thing because, and I'll never forget this. I kind of had a similar question like that um, with our high school pastor and our girls ministry director I asked them something and I was like, I just, I don't understand why we're doing it this way. And that was the first time someone had looked at me and actually explained to me why we're doing something the way we were doing it. Yeah. And Bailey was like, so thankful. She's like, thank you. That's all yes. I needed. It, because they were like, oh, we're like, we know this was kind of like an intense discussion. Like we're not against your change. Just understand why we can't change it right now. And I was like, thank you. Because all anyone had done this was five months. Like, I'd been here five months, but I had only heard a lot of, like, well, we've just always done it this way. We can't change it. Right. And that gets very frustrating to me as someone who likes a fresh perspective. I like for somebody to come in from the outside and be like, hey, like, why do you do it like this? Because it reminds me why I do it that way, too. Yeah. So, go back, going back to the analogy, the hiking analogy earlier, yeah. it's like, let's change the, let's change the shoe from flip-flop to a, a, a wide, you know, a wide tennis shoe for somebody who has wide feet mm-hmm. why are you hiking in the wide in, in that wide, don't you want a hiking boot yeah but but these are the only hiking shoes these are the only shoes i can wear hiking this is the only things i have well that's a good reason to hear yeah yeah you know it's a good thing to know Instead Ex- of just explanation being like, well i just i thought that whatever it, right. it works and so that was that's kind of the thing that i've i've um wrestled with the most is how to respond when someone looks at me and says, well, we've just always done it this way. Um, and there have been a few times where I have responded back. Okay. Well, can you please tell me why? Um, and a lot of times people are thrown off by that because, um, 
I, I feel like it's a very common thing when you say well, we've always done it this way for the other person to just be like, okay, well, I guess we just have to keep doing it this way. Right. And so I've, I've definitely had to like adjust to understand it's not a bad thing to question while we do it. If anything, it can just bring a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is why, this is why we do it. Yeah. Questioning things is how you get better and grow, mm. you know? I mean, I like a lot of questions. <laughs> I mean, I, I there in my walk with the Lord, I have questions. Sometimes I go to him. Yeah. I'm like, I, Lord, I, I don't understand this. I don't understand why our world is this. And your word says this. Help me. Mm. Well, one of the most beneficial things I've heard about, like my walk with the Lord and how like I continue to grow is, you know, you grow up and people always say, like, have faith like a child. Yep. And they make it seem like, oh, faith like a child is mean like it means you don't question anything. Like you just trust that the Lord is going to work it out. And then I heard somebody say, like, have you ever met a child? They ask questions they, all the time. They literally ask a question about everything. Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why do we walk on this side of the sidewalk? Why do we drive on this side of the road? Like everything has a question. And so it's the same thing just like in life. Like faith like a child, ask questions. Mm. With longstanding traditions, you can ask questions. Um, so, yeah, long-winded way of saying that's like probably the biggest struggle. Um, but Josh, I mean, like what you've been in more established churches than I have. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, do you have struggles with it and what are they? Um, I think my struggle with the established church in general, and, and just a reminder to everybody, when we're talking about established church, this doesn't necessarily always apply to Spotswood. Some of it does apply to Spotswood, like what Baylor was talking about. Some of those things do apply to Spotswood, but not all of them do. I think in general, my struggle with the with the established church is um the subcultures that are created in an established church in an emerging church it kind of seems like everybody's just on the same team yeah i know you have pockets of people that want different things or need different things but in general when it when we're talking about worship no matter what worship is they're just this is what our worship is and we're happy with it that's fine. That that's kind of a general thing I've I've found in people that work in emerging churches. When I ask them about you know, um, you know, somebody complaining about if something's too loud or somebody asking if we can do these songs instead of these songs, they really don't hear that kind of stuff. Right. Um. So I think my big thing with them with the established church is there seems to be subgroups of people in the established church that huddle together, mm. and they all have their agenda. Mm. And they all have things that they feel they're, they're vocal about. There's definitely a, an opinion of, you know, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Everybody's voice matters. We live in a free country where you're allowed to have free speech and so on and so forth. But there seems to be, there seems to be, instead of everybody following King Jesus, we have several kings and queens, if you will, running around the church. Not the good kind of queen. Yeah. <laughs> like it it's it, because everybody's been given a voice, mm. everybody's opinion matters. Mm. Um and and they do matter. Don't hear me the wrong way. They do matter, but it's like everybody doesn't know when they when it's appropriate to be heard. And I think sometimes um, I've noticed that people have a little bit more hesitancy in trusting leadership, especially if that leadership hasn't been there for a long time. Correct. So, like, we mentioned, like, Pastor Dan, 
everyone has a lot of respect for Pastor Dan. And loves him. And loves him. And it's because he's been here a long time. Right. Um, he's earned it. Let's yeah, be fair. He, he's earned he's it. He's earned it. And I, I think sometimes there's a little bit more, not only resistance to change, but just resistance in that trust and, and saying like, well, they're the leader. I trust their ability to lead. Um, and they just, they want to protect their church. They want to protect what has been established. And that's, right. that's understandable. So, so to that point, I guess, I guess this is the exact answer I was looking for. Um, my biggest hang up with the established church is it's like, we always say whatever we have to do for kingdom's sake, but then we have like an asterisk next to that. Mm. And then there's a list a mile long of things that have to be fulfilled for, for, for us to be comfortable mm. with that happening. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think established church, especially in regards to worship, if we can remove the asterisks away from worshiping Jesus mm. and just worship Jesus. I go back, Bailey's probably heard me say this probably 20 times since she's been here. Believers in China aren't question. They aren't wondering when they go to worship in a basement somewhere, they're not wondering, Hey, um, you know, why do we always have to worship with a guitar or why do mm. we, why, why are we singing the song acapella? I, I can't worship without a piano or an organ. I can't worship without a drum set. They aren't saying those kinds of things. They're just glad that they get to worship. I, I yeah. think my hang up with the, with the established church as a whole is, the, is the asterisk. Yeah. We put an asterisk next to everything. This is what we believe. This is what we think. Right. But there's this little dot right next to it. And, says you know see see footer mm. <laughs> you know you look down at the footer and and there's a clause down there that's you know the size of texas yeah um and i would love 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 i think the established church would be completely unleashed and and we would see revival across our country if the established church would begin removing the asterisks to the great commission because mm. it doesn't need it no so that I would say that's probably my my biggest thing. Now to flip the coin, Bailey, um, what is something that you think uh, is a really good thing about the established church that moving forward we need to keep? We need to keep it. I mean, I think that like so much of. I guess referring to worship specifically, like uh, in my worship, I say like songs and like the music that we have. Yep. Um, so much of it is directly scripture, mm -hmm. like taken out of the Bible, like or out of Psalms or. Um, Just you know. wonderful. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. That's why you look at this you know, praise and worship style and CCM. Like that's why you look at it and they tag these old traditional hymns onto their songs it's because it one it's already written for them and it's the most scripturally sound you can have because it's directly out of the bible right so i think like that's a really solid thing that we don't need to overlook and we don't need to roll our eyes and scoff at when we say you know let's sing it is well today right. or like no granted it, it is well i don't yeah, it comes it comes out of scripture. So I, mean, I was yeah. like, I, I don't know the reference off the top of my head, but you know, things like that we can't we can't just kind of turn our nose up at it because that is something that um, has always been part of the foundation of an established church is 
is like an old an old hymn. I say old because they're old to me, but <laughs> you know, a hymn out of a hymnal. So um I know that refers more to like worship style, but I feel like we haven't touched necessarily a lot on that. So like um yeah, I think that's important and I think that carries over and it can carry over into an emerging church. And most of emerging churches like the people in them probably came from an established church. Sure. So but, uh, that's very true. Yeah. That's very very true. Unless they're like an unless they're a new believer, but most of the people who probably started this the emerging church were from an established church. Mm-hmm. So um but I mean what's yours? Um I would probably say the generational aspect. Um I, I believe there's nothing more powerful and... Sus- I shouldn't say that. That's wrong. That's wrong. From an earthly standpoint, from an earthly standpoint, not... I, I mean, I believe Jesus is more powerful. God is more powerful than the church. But on this earth, outside of him, there's nothing more powerful. Um, there's, there's not a more powerful force than a church... That, it, that has people from every generation doing the exact same thing mm. with the same goal. So I would say, I think moving forward, it's important that we that we keep our generations alive and, and, and churches don't become just a specific group of people only. Mm. Um, one thing that scares me about the church plant movement and one thing that scares me about the emerging church movement is you have you have these pastors that are targeting specific age groups and they call them niche churches. Um, I, I, I get really scared of that because like I'll use, I'll, I'll use my generation example, a church full of millennials. Hmm. One day these millennials are not going to be between the ages of 25 and 40. Yeah. One day they're going to be older. Yeah. How are, who is helping them transition into that new season of life? I was going to say, I mean, what are you, who are you learning from if you're all in the same season of life? Right. Biblically. Yeah. yeah. Biblically. Who are who, who is, who is looking over it? Like I, I think about the Levites when David created the, the musicians for the, for the church, he, or for the, um, for the Israelites, like mm-hmm. there, there are hundreds and hundreds of people and he picked specific families that had several generations in mm-hmm. them to sustain the worship life of of the Israelite people. Like, he didn't just have, you know, all right, I want everybody under the age of 22 leading worship um, on on Sunday or, or uh, in, the, in the temple. Mm-hmm. He had this man, or th- this man, his, his children, and his grandchildren, and here were the different roles that each one of those people had. And it's it's like you saw these people overseeing the next generation and raising and rearing them into into their next role, their next season of life, in in regard to the church. I don't yeah. think that's something we should ever deconstruct. That's something we need. We shouldn't yeah. cancel a generation, albeit young or or old. We shouldn't cancel them um, simply because of preference. Yeah, uh, we need each other. Yeah, what's well, discipleship? Yeah, it's growing. That's yeah. what God called us to do. Yeah. We we need each other. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think about in my life, um, you know, like my my dad, uh, another guy, Doug Mize, my former pastor, Pastor Drew. Like if I didn't have these people to like bounce stuff off of, mm. oh my gosh, 
Yeah. I, I'd make mistake left and right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. that's the way it works. Now, do I think all, all three of those guys are right about everything all the time? Well, no, because they tell you that they're not. Right. But, but they've been through things that I haven't, and there's wisdom there. So the church, the established church needs to maintain, maintain its generational spectrum. Yeah. yeah. We need that. That's true. So. That's good. Well, we're coming up on time. So yep. let's, you know, end it with everyone's fave. Yeah, yeah, pray. Yeah, nay, pray. We'll, we'll we'll make this one a quick one and and kind of a layup. Yeah, a layup um, as our friend Angel would call it. That's right. Um, the easiest um, the easiest song ever, um, I think, is the very first hymn I ever learned. Ever, I remember learning it in Mission Friends, a long time ago. I don't know um, what that is. <laughs> that's right. It's a midweek thing for kids. Mm. Um, but um, holy, holy, holy. Okay, um, the layup, this song's great, it's wonderful. Um, I've got some notes here for it. Um, it was written uh, by an Anglican bishop, okay, Reginald Heber, I guess how you say it, uh, to the tune Nicaea, which is a very, very popular uh, tune. Um, it's fantastic. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee, holy, holy, holy. Um uh, merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. I mean, it is it is Trinitarian yeah. worship in and of itself. Um, it, it's just great. I think every congregation, whether they're traditional, contemporary, established, emerging, this is these are words that need to be in your library. Yeah, and you need to use them, even if it's just like a reading. Use it because yeah. it's it's great. Um, so, the it's a yay. Yeah, definitely a yay. <laughs> Um, um, and you could probably tag it on just about any song, any contemporary worship song that you want to yep. as well. You could. You um, could. It's very simple. Yeah. So It's a good one. Yep. But as always, everyone, we want your questions. We want you to connect with us. Um, you can connect with us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, at Spots with Creative. Or if you have questions or um, a topic that you want us to touch on, or even a yay or pray. We would love to hear it. Um, just email us at spotswoodcreative at spotswood.org. Um, be sure to rate the podcast and share it with your friends. Until then, we will be back next week. And, yep, I messed all of that up. So, <laughs> Josh, take that part away. <laughs> I might. <laughs> I mean, just actually take it away because I'm going to mess it up again. <laughs> okay. I'll just take it away. I'll take it out. So, Haley. <laughs> I guess we should keep it 100. <laughs> yeah.